Welcome to Nightlife, the first hour. According to the latest census data, the percentage of one-person households has increased from 9.5% to 10.1%. Around one in four households in Australia is now characterised as alone. So I want to hear from you tonight about the many joys of living alone. Maybe you wish you could live alone. Since the beginning of time, we've been told to grow up, couple up, have kids and live a life all together under one roof. But is that what we really all want? It seems more of us are choosing a more independent life with more control over finances and household budgets too. Well, that's what my two guests have done. Uh, Bella DePaulo is a social psychologist and a world expert in solo living. She's the author of Singled Out, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatised and Ignored and Still Live Happily Ever After. Uh, She's also the author of How We Live Now, Redefining Home and Family in the 21st Century century. She joins us from LA in the United States and she has got up at a godforsaken hour to talk to us. So thank you so much. I guess you can do that, Bella, because you live alone and there's nobody else to wake up. That's right. Exactly. It's just after 3am here and I live alone and I can come and talk to you on nightlife, which is a true joy and no one's going to complain. I'm not going to wake anybody up. I'm just happily doing whatever I want. I ha- I can have my own sleep schedule and my own dining schedule and my own noise level and heat level. And it's just living alone is just pure bliss. <laughs> now, joining Bella is uh, Claire Payne. Now, Claire's a lawyer, a financial journalist, a World Economic Forum, young global leader, and the author of One, Valuing the Single Life. Uh, Claire has actually married since writing her book, but she and her her husband live in separate houses and uh, Claire's joining you tonight from Sydney. Hi Claire, welcome to Nightlife. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, are you also sort of, you know, at, at free to join Nightlife, no one else in your house there to worry what you're up to? I am actually, yeah, my daughter is at her father's place and I've had dinner with my husband but I've left him at his place and come over to mine. Now, uh, Bella, I want to start with you. You've been studying single and solo living for many years now and you do live alone yourself. What is it about living alone that that fascinates you? Um, I just love when people embrace the life that's best for them. Even if other people think, oh, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want to live with other people? And you just do what you think is your best, most authentic, most meaningful life and most fulfilling life. And that's what I've been studying and interested in and have found so many people who just really love being single and within the category of people who are single, people who live alone. So we, as I was mentioning, we've got that storyline that you meet someone, you get married, and then you live happily ever after under the same roof. At what point did you realise that you you were quite free to embrace living alone if that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, I don't know. I can't pinpoint an exact time or age, but because I kept thinking, well, everybody else seems to want to get married. Maybe I'm just slow. Maybe I haven't gotten bitten by the marriage bug yet. So I just kept waiting to get bitten. And at some point I realized, no self, you are never gonna want that. You 
love your single life. You love living alone. That's not going to change. And once I realized that, it was just so liberating because then I could really embrace my single life and you know buy a house or do whatever I want, move across the country to a whole different place and a different job and a different area of research because I wanted to. It was like I could now just totally be the person I wanted to be, my, live my best life, my most authentic life. It was just wonderful. Now, Claire, tell us a bit about your living situation. I think many couples listening will be slightly envious because you're married, but you and your husband live in separate houses. Yeah, so I actually met my husband as my next door neighbor. So when I moved into the area, I was a single parent and he moved in maybe a year and a half or so after me and we became friends and then, you know, we eventually got together and got married. We've been married five years now, but we've stayed in our houses. Uh, We're about three doors apart, three doors in a laneway, So maybe 50 metres. Yeah. So tell me about that conversation. I mean, was, would his have expectation have been, well, we're getting married, we should live together? No, I actually think that I probably would have been more open to that at the beginning. Um, but uh, it's just sort of, I suppose it's it's worked out that way. And this is actually one of the kind of characteristics of um, people that have already been married or had children, that sometimes they do choose this. It's a bit simpler when you're having a blended family with a mix of children, uh, when you've already, you know, divided finances and reestablished yourself. So we sort of have these classic characteristics that that put us into this um, sort of category. Uh, and I suppose that it's, we've found out that it really works for us. And actually when I mention it to people, um, people that have been married for a long time usually say that sounds great. <laughs> what is it that they're envious of, do you think? I think they're envious of a, a number of things. And what I've noticed more recently is that people are really envious of the ability to sleep alone. Uh, so people have a lot of sleep problems, you know, whether it's insomnia or snoring, uh, and the ability to sort of, you know, have your own um, bedroom and your own bedding and the room temperature the way you want it. Um, also, I suppose you have uh, no chore wars, which can often divide according to the gender that cause a lot of friction in families. We obviously maintain our own houses and, you know, have to do our own chores and don't really have any control over each other's houses. So it removes that out of the relationship and it really leaves you to just um, your relationship is an emotional one that you have to make the effort to keep alive, whereas some people that are living together, it's just inevitable that you see each other all the time and there's not necessarily any effort that has to go into actually having a conversation or spending time together. I guess all that time you spend apart means you've got things to talk about when you do see each other again as well. Yeah, that's for sure. And you have to initiate to see each other. You either have to walk by or and he sometimes calls out from the front or I'll walk by his place and it actually gives him a fright most of the time. Um, or you text each other and go, you know, might go for a walk around the block or go get a coffee or whatever it might be. So you have to actually make the effort. Uh, so, Claire, your book is uh, one, Valuing the Single Life. It looks at why society devalues people who live alone. Why, why do you think people view people living alone so negatively? 
Yeah, I mean, that's why I wrote the book. I started my career as an employment lawyer and I'm quite interested in some of the injustices or discriminations that exist in our society. And having been a single person, particularly in professional life, I noticed that there were these sort of embedded ideas that are negative about not just women, but also men in relation to being single. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, like they, they're things like, oh, is is a guy creepy or is there something wrong with the woman? Um, has she been rejected or is she fussy? And um, do, does she not want to have children? Is she not a family person? And these kind of things. And, you know, I, I actually reference a lot uh, Bella's uh, studies and uh, analysis and looking at the research in relation to this. And they're just not true. Uh, that single people and people that live alone are actually very connected, very family-oriented. They do more volunteering. Um, They're more likely to look after their ageing parents. Uh, They're more likely to be involved and support the arts and community events. So these things that we have perceptions about them that are negative are not actually true, and I suppose I really find that quite unfair. Um, Bella, I might bring you back in here because, I mean, Claire just referenced some of your your work and you've certainly taken a look at this idea that uh, people who live alone are often seen as as lonely. What's the evidence that says they're more connected to other people, in fact? Right, yes. So as Claire just said, people who live alone are actually more involved in the lives of their communities. They take more classes, they go out to, to restaurants more, they're more involved in civic life. And there's, there was this great study of 16,000 people ranging in age from 16 to 102. And they looked at whether they lived alone or they lived with other people. And at first, it looked like the people who lived with other people were less lonely. But then when they made sure that the people who lived alone were the same as the people who lived with other people in important ways, like, you know, they had about the same amount of money or financial resources, et cetera. Then it turned out that the people who lived alone were less lonely. And again, it's probably because people who live alone make an effort. You know, they go out and meet with other people or do things or or um, a big reason why so many people can live alone now and do so happily is because it's so easy to be connected with other people from your own place. If you have a phone or a laptop, you are there. Um, Bella, I think it's probably important to point out that there are, because I'm getting some texts, people who want to live alone, but there are also people who are doing it quite reluctantly. Um, that One of my texters says, I live alone and I hate it. I have to look after a four-bedroom terrace with a garden by myself, do all the cooking and cleaning and maintenance of the house. It's a huge amount for one person, but it's very hard to downsize and sell the house when you're by yourself. If you lived in a smallish flat, it might be easier But if you've got grown-up children who've left home and moved overseas, it can actually be extremely difficult to live alone. So there are definitely challenges involved. But, Bella, when it it comes to the cost, how can you make living alone more affordable at a time when it feels like everything's going up? Yeah, that's really a problem. And it's compounded in some places like, you know, the United States by all the 
breaks that married people get. So couples get tax breaks. You know, they get these deals where because there's two of them, they pay less per person for cultural events and sporting and uh, all uh, memberships and uh, travel packages and all sorts of things. So I think single people and people who live alone need to um, band together and make their voices heard and their wishes known. And it's happening to some extent. I mean, some travel agencies are doing better at accommodating single people with our solo travelers without that dreaded uh, single supplement. And, and they're more catering to solo travelers who include not just single people and people who live alone, but also people who are coupled and would really like to have some time on their own. So there are some changes in the positive direction, but it's it's totally true that it's more expensive to live alone. Uh, is there also a trend though, Baylor, in the United States towards more more solo households? Oh yes, for sure. That's been going up every year. There are more and more of them. And is your sense that a lot of that is from choice, or that there are some people who oh, are yes. living, yeah, even but presumably Absolutely. there are also people living alone because they have to, right? So um, some people are living alone because they were married for a long time and just got divorced or became widowed, and many of those people are not at all happy about living alone. Although some who are divorced are quite happy <laughs> to have the place of their own. Um, so it, it really is a whole different experience depending on whether you want to or not. But I think the, the rise of solo living is being powered a lot by desire. You know, people are more often uh, growing up with a room of their own if their parents can afford it. And they're used to having their own choice in music and entertainment and meals. And so even when kids are growing up in family households, they are kind of developing this expectation that they get to pick. And at colleges, more and more students want rooms of their own. So it's getting to be almost an expectation of having control and choice. And that's part of what it means to live alone. So, Claire, what kind of trends are you seeing here in Australia? Are you aware of many more people choosing to live alone rather than being, you know, doing it because they're sort of forced into it through financial or other circumstances? Yeah, so when I looked at the stats, we're actually much the same as these um, other kind of what you might say really um, developed nations with high levels of income. So close to a quarter of our households are uh, one-person households and we're projected uh, similarly in relation to the UK and the US um, and some of those Nordic countries were rising and they say rising by 65% by 2036. And across all those ones where there's this big increase, it has actually been identified that a lot of it is driven by women and often women in a older, they're either older or they have a higher income. Uh, and the men that are in this category are often younger with a lower income. So there is a distinction about who is um, 
in the category and who's driving it. So the more money and independence women get, the more likely you'll have a bigger cohort choosing to live alone. Now, this is actually an interesting one. One of the, the my texter says, look, you're promoting mental health problems by living alone. Bella, I know this is something you've actually looked at, haven't you? Right, yeah. And um, I think that men can sometimes not be as good as women at fostering interpersonal relationships, like nurturing friendships and paying attention to them. And if they expect to, you know, get married and then lean on a wife to be the social director and to be their best friend and maybe their only close friend. That's an issue. But more and more, I think men are getting good at this. And one of the reasons is because the age at which people first marry, if they marry at all, is getting older and older. And that's true in many nations all around the world. And what that means is that people are spending more years of their adult life single. Some of them stay single for life. But even if you do get married, you're doing it later. So that means men have more years to start developing the kinds of skills that they used to lean on their wives for, like, you know, managing their social lives and paying attention to their friends and cooking and cleaning and taking care of themselves. So um, when there are differences between men and women and living alone, it's usually the women who do better because they're so good at all those things. But I do think that's changing. And there are exceptions. There are many men who are great at living alone. So I don't want to make this into all those poor guys that can't handle it because some of them are great at it. Uh, but you do draw a distinction, don't you? I mean, we, we all, you know, people who live alone are not necessarily lonely. And it's more the loneliness and the social isolation, which tends to be a risk factor for mental health problems, doesn't it? Yeah, well, and again, that de- often depends a lot on the person living alone. So the person who's living alone, who loves living alone, is going to be entirely different than someone who's stuck living alone because their longtime spouse died or they can't find anyone to live with and they really want to live with someone. That's a whole different thing. So when people do these studies of, oh, you know, people living alone, are they less healthy or happier or whatever? It's, it's just so misleading to try to average across people like me, who's been living alone my whole adult life and love it, versus someone like my mother, who became a widow after being married for 42 years and had never lived alone in her life. Why are you averaging over those two people? We're very different. Now, uh, Claire, we were, uh, I mean, look, there are some gender stereotypes, men living alone. Well, you could, they could either be seen as perhaps um, lonely or they could be seen as bachelors living their best lives. But single women have actually traditionally copped the most judgment. Why do you think that is? And is that changing? Yeah, they have um, historically like the whole kind of women with cats thing. Um, But it has been breaking down, I think, just by the sheer volume of um, people and uh, the the broader kind of cohort, I suppose. So having professional, successful people that are sort of in the public domain. 
um, or, you know, prime ministers, for example, um, that are single or that live alone, and it's sort of changing the way people perceive it. But I think just picking up on something that one of the um, people that wrote in before talking about the big house and um, feeling uncomfortable in it, and I think there is a certain amount of needing to make sure it's the right place and a place you feel safe and we, I, in some of the uh, studies that I looked at, actually, and, you know, an example in Sydney, for example, in Potts Point, there's actually a high correlation of gay men with single women living in the same um, apartment blocks. And you do see this in cities where there's a certain sort of um, symbiotic kind of way of living and they actually feel quite safe and secure. So you can see some of these kind of trends about where people choose to live and what they want to be surrounded by. So you think that that sense that you know, women with cats, that that's disappearing now? I do think it is disappearing and I think the kind of stereotyping is, is breaking down a little uh, and just because obviously we're also seeing the trend of people putting marriage off uh, and getting married later uh, so it's not as distinct for someone to be uh, living on their own because obviously we're seeing this category grow each year and it becomes a bit more sort of socially acceptable. Uh, you are on Nightlife on ABC Radio. Uh, Mark from Armadale on the SMS says, I'm an introvert. I treasure living alone. Also, uh, I, two of my mates are married. They live in separate houses during the week and spend the odd weekend together at, uh, at one of their own houses. So that's a bit of an example of uh, the same kind of thing that you're doing too, Claire. Yeah, it's. I think it was called living apart together. Yeah. And uh, it's sort of a, a new category of relationship and I think for some time Helen Burnham Carter and um, Tim Burton were were in that kind of arrangement where they actually, you know, sort of have two had two houses side by side joined by you know maybe a maybe a little uh, bridge of sorts, you know. Um, so there have been some examples of it. What are the joys of living alone? Why are more Australians embracing it? Uh, my guests are Bella DiPaolo, a social psychologist and world expert in solo living. She's the author of uh, Singled Out, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatised and Ignored and Still Live Happily Ever After. Also Claire Payne, who's a financial journalist and the author of One, Valuing the Single Life. Uh, I've got a few people who want to tell me about their experience of living alone. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, good evening. Um, look, I just love hearing this show. I am 57. I can't believe how that even happened. Um, but I was telling your producer that I have been separated for about two and a half years now from the father of um, our beautiful child. And although the transition was a bit rocky, I am now as happy as a lark. I think I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. So what for you has been the key to living alone being such a happy experience for you? I think, um, well, one, there was sort of relief of not being in a relationship that had completely conked out. And I just, you know, it sounds selfish, but I can just kind of do what I want. Have you got some examples of the kinds of things you couldn't have done before that you can do now? Sure. Like, I can just say, okay, I want to go and see this play that's on at, you know, the MTC, or I want to go to this concert that's on at the recital centre, and I can just ring up the box office and say, look, have you got a ticket for the matinee today? Or, you know, can I go, can I come tonight? And just the the ability to just be spontaneous and just run off and do things, it's incredible. 
And uh, do you ever find yourself feeling lonely now that you're living alone, or is there have you sort of you know built up those other networks that you have in your life? Look, I feel less lonely now than I did um, in my marriage. I've got I'm really lucky. I've got some terrific girlfriends. They're, I've got some male friends, but my, my crew are my girlfriends, and um, and we just you know do fun. Well, even just going walking together, like it's just all. I can't believe it's all come together. It's really, I just feel really lucky. Rebecca, thanks so much for uh, telling us a bit about your story. Uh, on the SMS, uh, another Suzanne says, I'm the classic later life separated woman. Mental health problems from living alone? Well, I had mental health, chronic physical problems. Apart from an unhappy marriage, I was alone in the marriage anyway, especially when my health issues were inconvenient. Uh, I'm alone now, absolutely no cats, but much happier. <laughs> thanks, Suzanne. Uh, Daniel? You are, uh, you've just started living alone for the first time in your life. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I have. Is it, you, sorry, I didn't know I was on. Yep, you're on the radio, Daniel. What, what, tell us a bit about how you came to be living alone. Well, I was the carer. I got a bit of a history. I was a carer for 18 years, a very long time. So I, I was really accustomed to past 9.30. Um, I was looking after an elderly citizen. Uh, we were friends first. We met at a, a job but before he retired. But anyway, um, I always had to be quiet after 9.30. So I couldn't slam a door. If the door slammed, I, I felt bad. Um, uh, I Yeah, now that I live alone, uh, I'm living with uh, – I'm free. I mean, I can slam a door if I want. <laughs> uh, I do have a cat. Um, I don't get lonely. I've got a vast social life. Uh, I've felt like I'm more sort of active socially. So I come home, it's quiet time. There's always something to do, catching up on things that I never got a chance to do. Uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give myself a year or two alone and then partner up with someone. So, yeah, the idea is not to get too cosy. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go back to having to close those doors too quietly again, do you? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so the first day you moved in, did you give that new door a good old slam? No, I haven't actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you can if you want to, right? Absolutely. It's like um, uh, armor under my belt. Yeah. <laughs> Ammunition, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, take it. Look, it takes a bit of getting used to. Um, it's been. Uh, I'm in my third week now. Oh, it's, um, this is brand new. Oh, absolutely. This is new as new. Um. You know, I'm, I'm I sort of, I had to get my power, gas, water, um, and I've never done that before. Yeah. And uh, it was all new experience to me, but it's fantastic. Um, it was stressful getting all my stuff in and whatnot, but once that was passed in the second week, I've had a fantastic last week. Oh, well, um, Daniel, I'm yeah. I hope... I, when, I get off, when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to go in there and give, in fact, if you stay on, I'll go in <laughs> and I'm going to give that <laughs> Go on, go give the door a slam live on, go, on the radio across the country. This is for you. <laughs> Daniel, well done. Did that feel good? It felt really good. 
All right. Well, um, the poor door was the victim of that, but Daniel, you enjoy that. You're right. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. See you, Suzanne. You too, Daniel. Uh, And this one has come in from uh, another caller who says, I've lived alone for a few years. I was a single empty nester. I fell in love and moved in with him a few months back. He's got young adult children at home. Gosh, I miss my solitude. I love my partner, but I think I love living alone just as um, uh, Bella, have developments in technology made it any easier for people living alone, do you think? I mean, I guess during the pandemic, we're all much more reliant on technology to uh, to keep us oh, connected. Oh, yes, for sure. So with your phones and laptops and all of our technology, we can be in touch with other people almost any time of the day or night. You can be in touch with your friends who are on the same schedule as you and relatives. But but there are so many online communities now, too, that you can be in touch with people, even if none of your closest friends or relatives are awake at the same time you are or available at the same time you are. You still have whole communities of people who are there. And then um, online technology helps us in other ways, too, when we have all these different platforms for, you know, ordering takeout or trying to find somebody to help with. Uh, repairs or any kinds of tasks that we, as people living alone, really have a harder time doing alone, we can find someone to help or if there's something we don't, we just don't want to do, even though you could do it by yourself, you can use um, technology to get in touch with people much more easily than used to be able to before these technological advances happen. Uh, Claire, if you had any advice for people, I mean, I, we loved hearing Daniel, I guess, for the first time having to do all of that stuff that other people normally do for you when you're used to being in a, in a partnership. Um, if if you know, anyone's listening who's thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind living alone, but I'm a bit, I'm a bit worried about it. What, what kind of advice would you give to somebody? Yeah, well, I think there's plenty of um, online forums where you could probably, you know, almost Google everything in terms of trying to work things out. Like I have a dripping tap and I asked my husband and he has less idea than I do and I thought actually I'll probably just look it up on YouTube. So I think there's probably a way around um, any of the problems that, that you might find. I do think that during COVID it was hard for single people and people living alone, particularly before the single bubbles, because a lot of the ways that they do connect of getting out into the community were taken away. And so, yeah, some of those sort of online forums and ways of connecting have probably been good and now incorporated into um, the single life or living alone. Uh, well, thank you both, um, Claire and Bella, for being part of this uh, this discussion tonight. Uh, Bella DiPolo, a social psychologist, a uh, world expert in solo living, uh, and also Claire Payne, a financial journalist and World Economic Forum, young global leader, author of One, Valuing the Single Life. And Bella, I'll just give your book a mention as well because I've got on a different <laughs> bit of paper. Uh, singled Out, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatised, Ignored and Still Live Happily Ever After. Thank you both. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. And uh, a few more SMSs coming in. Jane says, I've lived alone for 14 years. I'm age 64. I'm a bit of an introvert, so I make sure I meet up with friends occasionally because I work from home um, too. I'm loving living the alone life. 
Someone else says, yeah, more lonely in a relationship where husband happy in his own bubble with nothing in common to talk about. Having to compromise with decisions about home decor, financial priorities is so limiting. Um, but this texter says, look, the problem is so many married people can't afford to separate. It is 20 to 11, 20 to 10 if you're in Queensland, 20 to 8 if you are listening in the West. I think we might have a bit of independent women. Uh, and then uh, we're going to find out about Braille and how it's used today. There's a lot of technological changes in the kind of technology that people who are blind or vision impaired are using. So is Braille still as important as it always has been? We'll talk about that next. The quest for the big brass mug continues. On the new season of Harquiz, award-winning comedian Tom Gleeson is throwing down the gauntlet to some new contestants. You made that sound really creepy. And challenging some more unusual expert subjects. That's when you thought things wouldn't get weirder. Sam, colonoscopies is your expert. The new season of Hard Quiz. Nothing's weird on this show, mate. Wednesday nights on ABC TV and streaming on ABC iView. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.